I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, Tom Brady had a drive that saved the game and maybe the season, Joey, as he throws a touchdown pass one yard to Cade Otten, his first touchdown as an NFL player. First touchdown by a Bucks tight end this season in the Bucks. Somehow get a victory in that three-game losing streak, 16-13 to over the Los Angeles Rams, who had been their nemesis, had won a bunch of games in a row against them the last two seasons. They still haven't figured out how to stop Cooper Cup. We'll get to that in just a minute. But this, like I mentioned, this is could potentially, we'll see what they do when they go to Germany. They got the long flight over there, and a, and a good Seattle team will be waiting for them. But... What do you think an emotional victory like this can mean, even knowing that overall their offensive performance really wasn't any better than we've seen? Well, winning is a weird intangible, Rick. You saw, we saw tonight how a win just really rejuvenated, for lack of a better term, that locker room. It seemed to galvanize the guys. There was just a lot of happiness, a lot of relief. And you don't know how that can translate going forward to practice and the meetings and the things like that. There was just, it, it, there was just a lot of good vibe in that locker room tonight. And we saw Tom Brady do what he's done dozens and dozens and dozens of times, lead a fourth quarter game-winning drive. And, you know, it seemed like the GOAT got his mojo back. I also wrote how the girth got its mojo back, the front line with Vita Vea and Akeem Hicks and Raheem Nunez Roches and those guys. So... It, it's just it's hard to say how this will translate into the next week. We know it's a one-week league, a week-to-week league, so it, it's hard to say whether what can carry over and whether the momentum can carry over into Germany. But the bottom line is, Rick, and we're going to talk about this, this is a team still with a lot of issues on offense. They still cannot run the ball. They still cannot attack the middle of the field. And um, we saw for about, you know, the first three and a half quarters uh, uh, what we had seen the past month. Yeah, it really was a, a dismal display of, uh, of running the football. And look, I wrote a, a story on Sunday. Some of the staff members, Harold Goodwin most notably, on the record, uh, was very critical, I thought, in his own way, of Byron Leftwich. And my understanding is there's a lot of coaches – who feel that his play calling has been uh, less than be desired, particularly since that they entered the game with the fewest rushing attempts of any team in the league, just 20 a game. Clearly, Byron Leftwich was going to show them, I can run the football, or at least I can try to run the football. Unfortunately, it's still an unimaginative running game, probably with the wrong running back on top of that. And they ran so much on first down, I don't know why you just don't, you know, tell the opposing sideline, hey, we're going to run it every first down. At one point, um, until they got to the two-minute drive at the end of the first half, it was something like six out of seven first downs were runs. And, you know, I, I thought that on the whole that maybe Rashad White had a little more success for Leonard Fournette, but there really wasn't any success to be had. What they run for, even 60 yards? 
20 carries, 51 yards. 21, 20 carries for 51 yards. But Rashad was more effective th- than Lenny. Yeah. Yeah, 3.4 yard average, 8 for 27. His longest was 7. And that's the thing. There's no explosive runs, um, really uh, barely getting 3 yards a carry, which has been their average for the entire season. It's historically low. It's one of the lowest um, in the last 20-something years in the NFL. So they haven't figured that out at all. But it was clear to me early in the game, at least, that they were in 10, as long as the score wasn't out of hand and it wasn't, um, that they were going to try to continue to run the football and they did, just not very well. And it ended up, um, you know, they had opportunities to, to score touchdowns. They got in the red zone again. This has been a failure of theirs all, all throughout the year. Um, you know, it was down to three Ryan suck-up field goals is all they had to show for an entire offense. And I really thought the game was going to be over before it was over. Brady drove them down there. They got, uh, I think it was a first and goal, um, and they couldn't get the ball in the end zone. They had a drop by Scotty Miller, uh, a potentially a drop by Kate Auden at the goal line, although that was a, a contested catch, a combat catch, if you will. Scotty's was just wide open in the back of the end zone, just let it go off his hands and into the dirt. And then um, he tried to force one to Mike Evans that was damn near intercepted by Jalen Ramsey and others, and, and that was it. And it looked like for all the world, this game is over. The Rams... Uh, needed one first down. The Bucks had two timeouts. They ran it three straight times. But credit the defense, who had a really good day today. I thought they fought and played pretty well. They were able to get the ball back to Tom Brady with, what, uh, 44, 44 seconds. seconds left, 60 yards away, needing a touchdown, no timeouts. I don't know you can do any better than what he did right there. And that's where you got to take your hats off to the defense for setting up that last sequence uh, first down, Daryl Henderson tries to go up the middle, and Vita Vea stuffs him, and that was kind of that kind of encapsulated what we saw from this defense today. They held the Rams, I think, Rick, to 206 total yards, but we saw what happened when you got your full complement of defensive linemen back. Akeem Hicks had not played since Week Two against New Orleans. He started today, and I don't think he recorded a stat, Rick, but just the fact that he was out here freed up Vita Vea. Freed up Raheem Nunez Roches, who we affectionately call Nacho, and they had monster games. And I talked to Akeem after afterward, and he he was clear. He said, you know, when you have two guys of our size, and I'm paraphrasing, mm-hmm. somebody's going to get single teamed, and somebody's going to have a big night. And that's what we saw. The tone was set by the front four. Vita Vea had two sacks. Nacho had a sack. And the Rams finished, you know, they're not a very good running team anyway. They're just slightly better than than the Bucks. They finished with 68 rushing yards on 24 carries, less than three yards a carry. It all started up front. And, and again, just that Vita stuff on first down on the Rams' last drive, that led to a little Cooper Cup screen, and he couldn't get out of bounds. And the next thing you know, they're punting with 44 seconds left. So, Take your hat off to the defense. We talk about complimentary football on this team. That's been a buzzword. It's been a remote concept lately. But tonight it really worked. You saw complimentary football down the stretch. I thought it was easily Vita Vea's best game. And not only did he have the two sacks, he now has six and a, I think it's six and a half on the season. Is that right? No. What is it? Right. Yeah, it's six and a half. Six and a half on the season. That's a career high. Came in with a career high, four and a half. He leads the team. That's difficult to do from an inside tackle position, and we are uh, you know, a little over halfway through the season, so he could be headed for 
a monster season for a defensive tackle, and getting Akeem Hicks obviously had a lot to do with that. Look, the Rams have been scuffling. They're the only other team in the NFL, you would say, you know, defending Super Bowl champs, a little bit like like the Buccaneers. The, the crown is heavy. Um, they've lost a lot of players. Their offensive line is more or less in shambles. It showed tonight. And Matthew Stafford is not having a great year. Um, you know, they, they basically Cooper Cup continues to be the one guy that kills everybody and killed the Bucks again. How in gosh names do they manage to get him so open and he had a 69-yard touchdown again. Every game they have played this guy going back two, three years, he has hit a big home run against them, including, of course, uh, two of them that we saw in the playoff game that cost them. They can't cover Cooper Cup. He's got, in the last two games, he's got, I know it's 17 total catches, and I believe it's just a hair over 300 yards with three touchdowns, and that's just in the last two games. And this 69-yarder he had... Uh, in the first half, Rick, it, it was just a bust. Todd Bowles said it plain and simple. We saw Keanu Neal kind of let Cooper go right past him, and I guess he was handing him off to Mike Edwards, who was playing center field, and Mike Edwards didn't get over. It was just flat-out pathetic. It, it was a bust, and, you know, Cooper Cup came in here playing with a bum ankle. He uh, he got it landed on pretty good last week against San Francisco, barely practiced all week, Um came out here and gave it a go and was fast enough to get past the secondary on that bust for for the night. Eight catches, 127 yards, one touchdown for Cooper Cup, but really he was the only guy who was effective other other than, you know, him getting off a couple of times. This was arguably since Dallas the best defensive effort since Dallas. It was really good and and I think we have to take a, a minute at least to to say that I don't know what mistakes Devin White may or may not have made. I saw a guy play really hard, as he has done in the past. But Devin White was pretty good. And, and after the game, you know, he was asked about, was there a little extra bit of motivation because of, of all the heat he took with the very um, well-publicized loaf that he had last week and just really a bad game overall, criticism from Warren Sapp. And he just said, you know what? I just wanted to, to take a step back and realize how fortunate I am to be in this league and that um, – I, I need to love the game again. I need to play as if I, I'm, I'm lucky to be out here because there's a lot of people that would want to be. I thought that was a refreshing perspective. He wasn't bitter about what had happened. Um, I, I think he, there were a lot more assignment. Um, you didn't see any, any um, really busts other than in, you know, in the secondary, obviously, but their run defense was pretty stout. Uh, I thought what they did on first and second down was really good. They got after Stafford pretty good. And, you know, they held the Rams down. I mean, they, they, they kept themselves in the game and gave Tom Brady. And the biggest thing was that final stop because it looked for all the world that the Bucks had blown their chance to win it on that drive prior to that. And they got the ball back to Brady, which was, which was huge. So credit Devin White for that. Um, listen, I don't know that, that a win, you mentioned a win, can, can, can lift their spirits as they try to fly all the way to Germany and play a good Seattle team. There's still issues with this team. There was one point, and I heard it on the broadcast uh, because it was Jim Nance and, um, and Tony Romo, and the sideline reporter, Tracy Wolfson, said there was a drive that Leonard Fournette was not in, and apparently he was fuming about it. And after Rashad White came off the field, White had to go up to Lenny and said, stay in this, man. We need you. Oh, that's... 
That sounds like two years ago when, uh, exactly. I mean, Lenny's oh. attitude almost got him run out of town. He was a healthy scratch for a few games down the stretch before he had, a, for lack of a better term, a come-to-Jesus meeting with Bruce Arians who said, you know, get it in gear or, you know, we'll find somebody else. Mm-hmm. So that, that's the last thing this team needs. And I, I was charting it, Rick. I mean, this has nothing to do with Lenny. It has nothing to do with Rashad White. Um, until, until that hurry-up mode in the last two minutes of the first half, on first down, they ran 10 of 11 times. 11 first down opportunities, they ran it 10 times. And if you recall, they had some success on some of those runs, but they turn around and run it on second down, too, and get popped for nothing. I don't know. We were talking about this before the podcast. I don't know if it's hubris. I don't know if it's stubbornness, why they keep doing it. There's certainly no creativity. At least we saw the Rams try to do some jet sweeps with, with Cooper Cup and things. But this is just... Handing it off, maybe with a fullback in the backfield, going off tackle or, you know, up the gut and, you know, getting popped. I, I just don't understand it. There's certainly, there's certainly no effectiveness in the run game, and there's certainly no creativity, regardless of which of those guys is in there. Well, the one thing they have is number 12. And in a two-minute situation, there's never been a better quarterback. Uh, I think Greg Allman of the Athletic may have had this stat uh, about how in all the years Tom Brady has played um, – with under a minute to go, driving his team and throwing a, a, a touchdown pass. It might have been the first time that he has done that, which is incredible, if I'm quoting the stat correctly. Um, but the guy he threw it to is a good story. And, and we've talked about you know the tight end position and how if there could ever be an expectation or something where Gronk walks back into the building, right? They were, we're in November now. If they got to December, there's this sort of like mythical hope that maybe Rob Gronkowski shows up and all is well with the offense and he starts playing again with Brady and they score touchdowns. Well, I don't think you can plan on that. I don't think Gronk has any plans on that. But Kate Otten is turning into a reliable, reliable tight end. Not so much in the blocking game. I still think he has a ton to do there. Um, he gets overwhelmed at times with some defensive ends, and um, we've seen him get get beat. And he's part of the problem, frankly, with the run game too. They're not getting a lot of push from their tight ends, although they've played him and Coquefe. But as a receiver, Brady has trusted him. And even though he kind of like wasn't able to make a combat catch at the goal line, which could have been a touchdown, they wound up you know, giving the ball back to the Rams before the three and out, um, he has played – really beyond his years and he's a great story to boot um we've all written about it you wrote about uh, his mother sally uh, who unexpectedly died in september even though she had been battling parkinson's it, it was a surprise uh, he played for his dad and his grandfather's a legendary coach in washington for 49 years uh out there and this was a moment for kate otten and, and obviously the biggest moment of the game for the Bucks when he when he caught the one yard touchdown pass, but it was more than that. He he said that, you know, he did think about his mom, but he said the great thing was, and I'm kind of paraphrasing here just a bit, was that it was a great you know it was a great moment or whatever, and my mom was here to see it, and I got goosebumps when I thought about that. That like you know, uh, he he immediately thought of her and 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 felt like you know, she was here to watch as well. You know, when we get into this business, Rick, you know, we have to turn in our fan card. You know, yeah. we can't, you know, rooting for a certain team that, that, that goes out the door that comes. That's 
part of the business. You're, you're not a fan when you come here. You're a reporter. So what we're pursuing, what we're rooting for is the good story. Mm-hmm. And there's no better story tonight than, than Kate Otten. Uh, you know, he lost his mom, as we talked about. He, he missed the, the game when the hurricane came. Right. Um, he was at, in Washington with his family. That's when his mom passed away. So he, he was not over on the East Coast with them. I don't think he was back for the Chiefs game. And uh, when he did return the following week, I approached him in the locker room. He didn't have to talk to me, but he he was more than gracious with his time, told me a lot about his mom. She was a very athletic woman, uh, a PE coach. Um, you know, this was, like you said, it was a total shock. She had been battling Parkinson's for some time, but, um, you know, they, you know, her passing away came as a complete shock. And, um, you know, just some little anecdotes about her. She was... They would, as a family, have something. I believe it was called like Survivor Sunday. They would all sit around and watch Survivor, and she'd make cookies for them and things like that. And he just got really deep and profound, you know, sharing stories about his mom. And uh, just to have something like this tonight and, you know, just the way it played out, the circumstances, the drama, and for him to say, you know, I know she was watching, those are the kind of stories that that you root for those, those kind of stories as we say they write themselves um you know it, it you're, you're just really happy for the guy and i've said all along aside from that storyline i thought kate otten was kind of one of their steals he didn't play a lot last year at washington because of he was injured i think he dinged up his ankle so he didn't get get to put a lot of tape down from his senior year but you heard about how smart of a guy he was, how, how good of an athlete he was, and if somebody just took a chance on him, they were probably going to have a little draft weekend coup, and the Bucks, I think, got him in the fifth round, and we're seeing that play out right now. I think he's going to be a heck of a tight end in this league. He's going to catch a lot of passes, and I think that Brady, knowing that Evans and Godwin were going to get a lot of attention in that final drive that they ended up scoring a touchdown, really both of them, even the one they failed, he went to Scotty Miller, who was single-covered. He went to Kate Otten who was single covered, and he trusted those guys even after drops. I mean, Scotty Miller drops one in the end zone, game over, and he came back to him the, when they got they were fortunate enough to get the ball back because of the defensive stop, and he went right back to Scotty, who caught two more ca- passes on that final touchdown drive. But, yeah, Kate Otten is a, is a terrific story, and it was funny because, you know, his locker is very near or next to Co'Keefe, who is another rookie tight end. Coe does a lot of the blocking as a fullback, and he occasionally catches the passes and things like that. Um, but I went over to him, and I said, kind of how ha- happy are you for this guy? And he says, maybe the nicest person I've ever met. He goes, and I, I'm not kidding. He goes, the guy is unbelievable just as, just as a person and a player. And, and he goes, I'm so happy for him because he works so hard at this, and, and there isn't a better guy I've ever met. So... A lot of high praise for Kate, and you get that feeling when you talk to him. He's from good people for sure, and and he's going to become a fan favorite. They they need the tight ends to step up. They need more red zone presence. It's hard to believe it's the first touchdown. Here we are, what in week nine um, of the NFL, and it's the first touchdown by a first tutty by a tight end um, by for the Buccaneers. So look, now it's off to Germany. Here's the thing: the Atlanta Falcons lost today. They lost to the, to the Los Angeles Chargers. And right now the Buccaneers are in first place in the NFC South at 4-5 and five with a win in hand over Atlanta, who is also 4-5. and five. Don't tell me they can't find their way back to the postseason now. No question. I mean, it's wide open in the NFC South. You know, I, I, 
probably whoever wins that division is com- probably going to have eight or nine wins. It, it's you know, don't overlook the Falcons because they have they have established themselves and what they like to do, and they do it well. They run the ball. They they've asserted themselves, and I think they've got a really smart, bright head coach. They're they're going to be in every game they play. But you know, again, they're they're not going to win every game they play. I think this is going to come down to the winner of this division is going to win eight or nine games and slide in. So yeah, crazy as much as. As we've been bemoaning the Bucks over the last month, today they're in first place in their in their feeble division. Well, they got to get back to 500, as Tom Brady said. He was very happy. He came off onto the podium and said, "This was bleeping awesome." And uh, I guess I guess so. It's, it, it was their first win in a month, uh, if you can believe that. So it's off to Germany. Before we get out of here, uh, and we're at Raymond James as we as we do this podcast. Some big news uh, in college football and USF. Maybe not surprising, something that we figured would happen, especially after that horrific loss, another loss, this time at Temple, maybe one of the worst teams in the American Athletic Conference. USF has fired Jeff Scott. They did that Sunday while we were here at the Bucks game. Um, I just don't feel like, Joey, that they could possibly make a case for uh, how starting over would set them back. There really wasn't anything to, to nail progress to. Uh, and so in lieu of anything that you thought was worth saving. Um, they had to fire the head coach who clearly, and I've heard a million things about him, and I, I've only talked to him once. They say he's a great human being and a really good guy, but you know what? That's not the job. Um, the job is really uh, to build a program back up to respectability in a conference where they frankly should do well and have done well. And, there was no indication that Jeff Scott was able to do that, whether that was his recruiting, his coaching, but especially the production just wasn't there. I, I missed on Jeff Scott. We've talked about this, Rick. I, I projected he'd be the guy to replace Charlie Strong. And um, they went out and got him from Clemson. I, I was fortunate enough to have lunch with him when he first got here. And when he had his like first team meetings and stuff, he was kind enough to let myself and a photographer in and we sat in on coaches meetings and his first team meetings he couldn't have been more gracious with his time and just watching him you know talking to him at length seeing how he went about those first few days seeing his meticulous attention to detail I thought this guy's going to nail it this is exactly who they need and he did nail it in a lot of ways Rick let's not forget that he he ran a clean program. None of his guys really got in trouble. No significant arrests that I can remember. Uh, he he was he, he got the memo about raising money, something Charlie Strong didn't do. He went out and beat the bushes in the community to try to raise money and support donor support for the program. The indoor practice facility is going to be opening up for business in in days. He uh, he established a culture in that locker room. The kids kept playing hard for him. He did everything right except on the field, and it still baffles me. Uh, I think they developed a serviceable offense, an offense that could compete in their league, but defensively, and we've talked about it before, there were times when it looked like there wasn't even a USF guy in the frame. You know, we saw Temple, this kid I'd never heard of, a kid named Sater, I believe, ran for close to 300 yards when he had 300 rushing yards for his career coming in. We saw the very first play of the first game of the season against BYU. They run a jet sweep, guy goes untouched for a 75-yard touchdown. 
defensively, the coaches just did a disservice to these kids, not putting them, them in a position to succeed. And that led to Jeff's downfall. And, and I hate to see it because he is a decent human being, a wonderful family man, and I think he'll land on his feet. I think he'll, he can go back to Clemson and get a job tomorrow with Dabo Swinney, so he's going to be fine. I'm just baffled about how futile and how, what a failure it was on the field. Well, there might be more there than just what Jeff Scott could fix, but we're going to find out about that. I want to ask you about where they go from here in just a second. But first, folks, uh, if your electric bill is still soaring like all of ours are, uh, contact our folks at May Electric Solar. They're a family-owned business. They've operated uh, and been installing solar electric systems for 12 years. They're committed to you for the long term. Here's what they do. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty. Something goes wrong, they're back out there taking care of it. Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection. That is the main difference. If you visit the Hudson Showroom, they display all their products. They conduct on-site testing. You can see what they'll install. Plus, they don't use subcontractors. You know that uh, who's doing the job. Those are Billy Mays guys up on there on the roof all the time. So start saving today. Call the solar energy experts, May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate. Lower your electric bill all year long. Preserve the quality of your life and of your appliances. May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Usually programs get what they don't have or what they didn't have right so you went from charlie strong who was on his way down from uh, a very big program at the university of texas and probably hoping to revitalize his career a bit so he could go back to a power five school someplace um and it and it was an abject failure and then so then they go and get something totally different. They get a guy who's never been a head coach, who's an ascending assistant, who has all the energy in the world from a successful program like Clemson, recommendations out, out the uh, wazoo, and that failed. So you know what, Joey? I'm going to be surprised if they hire someone who hasn't, one, been a head coach before. Right. To me, it seems like that's going to be probably a prerequisite. And look, there's probably a number of coaches that have fallen out of favor or will fall out of favor from power five schools that would look at this as a pretty good rebuilding job for their own careers. Right. right? The problem is those guys, if they're successful, they're not going to be here very long. And do you want to commit yourself to that? Or is it going to be somebody who's like, "Eh, I've had my share of the limelight. I just want a nice little comfortable landing spot, make a few million dollars and you know, we'll do okay. Um, But maybe not put as much energy into it because they've, They've been to the promised land. So it's a tough needle to thread to begin with. So so how where do you think they go? What do you think will be sort of what they're looking for based on, on, on their recent experiences? You know, you mentioned it. They've been an abject failure with the retreads, for lack of a better term, and they were a failure this time with the up-and-coming hotshot. So I don't know what direction Michael Kelly's going to pursue. 
He's going to talk to the media, I'm sure, in the next couple of days. Maybe he'll lay out some of the criteria that he's looking for. Um, they could go in a number of different directions, Rick. There, there are some guys out there, that names that I've heard already, uh, just, just for a couple. Tom Herman, uh, you know, who did very well at Houston but struggled at Texas. Scott Frost, very intriguing. You know, you, that's a good name right there. That's a, that's a darn good name because right up the road, we, we saw what he did to that program. Yeah. Uh, you know, Nebraska, that is what it is, but he's proven he can win in this league. Uh, you know, uh, uh, another guy that I think will have a lot of traction if he becomes available is, is Tom Allen. Uh, we know, you know, we know what kind of business this is. And, you know, it, it's a week-to-week business in college football. So, uh, but I do know that when Tom Allen was here, he resuscitated this defense in 2015. And I, I saw him just emasculate Tommy Tuberville's Cincinnati team on national TV one night, I think it was 51 to three something at halftime. That guy can flat out coach defense. He, he got his coaching chops here in Tampa at little temple Heights Christian school, which no longer exists. He logs some time at Armwood. He knows the territory. He recruits like mad. He's a lot like Jeff Scott, just a really decent quality guy. Great family guy. He will endear himself to the fan base. He already has before, but he still has a job at Indiana. It's not going well right now. So We'll see how that transpires. And again, Rick, they could go in all kinds of different directions. Larry Scott, a Jim Levitt guy who's now coaching at Howard. They may look that way. And the last one, and this is for a whole different podcast, probably for another day. We could do probably two podcasts on that. And you know the name I'm going to bring up. It's at least time to have the conversation and the plausibility of bringing Jim Levitt back. Listen, I, I know that people will, some people will just wretch at that idea for whatever reason. And, and, and I'm not going to relitigate at least now in this podcast as we wrap it up, all the things and, and why it will never happen because of, of, of why they separated uh, the university and him in the first place uh, with an incident that involved a player. Um, I'll say this. I've known Jim since he's 16 years old. He is not everybody's cup of tea. Uh, there is a fire that burns in him that sometimes can scorch a lot of earth, uh, quite frankly. But there is no one that is more emotionally attached to the program he built um, with Leroy Selman from a trailer uh, over there in in USF than Jim Levitt. Um, He was here when they were very successful, he has gone on and he has coached at the NFL level with the 49ers and Jim Harbaugh. He has coached at many places in college football, Colorado, Florida Atlantic, Florida State. I mean, Oregon. Yeah, Oregon, right, with, um, absolutely. So, and he's had success as a defensive co- coordinator almost every place he's been or a linebacker's coach or whatever he's done. He is back here in the Bay Area. He has come back. His mom, God bless her, she's like my mom. I think she's about the same age, maybe 93. My mom is 95. Um, he, he's here with his girls. It's, and, he, and coincidentally, not long after uh, USF lost to Temple, he posted a picture of the most beautiful downtown Tampa area you've ever seen and talked about how great it was to be here and, and be home. I think that somebody has to have the conversation. It may not last for very long, but honest to goodness, it sometimes the the answers are right in front of you. And I I'd like to I'd like to hear 
you know, why they don't believe he deserves a chance, uh, even after the things that have occurred. But um, it, it'll be interesting. That that program uh, just has to get back on track. And, and maybe it won't take that long if they get the right person. But uh, Jeff Scott is um, has been given his uh, – his way out at this point. Well, uh, we're going to get out of here at Raymond James Stadium. The Bucks have won 16-13. They are on to Germany. I am headed out there on Wednesday. The team gets there on Friday. I'll get there on Thursday. Um, there's some availability, I think. And Good Morning Football is there all week. It should be interesting. They got a football game to win against a really good football team in the Seattle uh, Seahawks, and they need to see if they can keep building on this win here tonight and the dramatics of Tom Brady there at the end. Just a reminder, May Electric Solar, please visit these folks. If you're looking at ways to save money on your electric bill, they've been in business 12 years. They give you a 30-year labor uh, and service warranty, $750 worth of surge protection. Start saving today. Call the solar energy experts. May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. For Joey Knight and Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 